0: Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show with me, Lewis McParlin. And before we start, I'd love to wish our very own Thomas Wiseman a very special, belated happy birthday as he turned 22 yesterday. Congratulations, Thomas. I hope you had a lovely lockdown party by yourself. I heard you got a, a, a really good present from your from your brother. What was that? Was it, was it a, a diamond watcher, was it? Was it a Porsche <laughs> at the front? What was it again?
1: It was a... What do we call it now? It's like a a a footrest or something.
0: Say it for what it is. Say it for what it is. It's
1: basically one giant slipper and it's amazing. And I will not have you (laughs) criticize it on this podcast. It's phenomenal. (laughs) I work in a conservatory for over a year now. It's really
0: cold in there. And it's amazing. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, a giant slipper. That's exactly what you want. (laughs) Keeps keeps you going through lockdown, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well, hopefully you've got it on right now. Unfortunately not, no. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, maybe we can get that. It's not like a, You can't
1: bit. walk around in it. You just, it's like a footrest. You foot
0: can hop.
1: No, I'm not. I'm not... <laughs> okay, yeah.
0: You can hop. You can hop. Okay, look, look, <laughs> like, shut it. Talk. And just for you, tonight we've got a good one, actually, with some important games happening this week, both on the international and domestic stage. PSG hosted Barcelona on Wednesday with the aim being simple. Just don't make a right mess of it like they did four years ago. PSG started the game with a 4-1 lead from the first leg, but could they hold on to it? We'll be going through the events of that match in just a moment. The other big game from this week took place on the south coast as Marseille and Rennes faced off in the clash of the new managers. Jorge Sampali was hot off the plane as his side tried to beat the team, led by a similarly new manager, Bruno Genesio, a former Lyon man with a clear personal agenda going into this one against OM. If we've got time, we'll also have a look at Nîmes versus Montpellier as La Payade have hit a nice run of form as of late with a certain Englishman leading the way for them. For this one, I'm joined by Thomas Wiseman and resident Parisian Philippe Barziel. And speaking of Paris... Let's start the game there. Like I said, Paris entered this second leg of the round of 16 with a 4-1 lead, a real big victory at the Camp Nou a few weeks ago. Going into this one, PSG were battered for the first half hour with many Barcelona chances coming. Ousmane Dembele had a golden chance, Lionel Messi had a golden chance. But then the ball went up the other side of the pitch and Clemen Longley was adjudged to have filled Mauro Icardi after a VAR check with the ball going into the box. Don't worry, we'll talk a lot about that decision in just a moment. The, the penalty was scored by Kylian Mbappe, the wonder boy, the star boy, facing off against Lionel Messi, of course. The, the, the man he's probably going to take the throne from, if not this year, over the next few years as Messi starts to wind down his career. But Messi showed that he was still in the game. He wasn't an old man just yet, as about seven minutes later, he hit an absolute worldie into the top corner to make it 1-1. Going into the second half, or just before the second half, there was still more Barcelona chances. But then Barcelona had a penalty of their own, with Kourjaba fouling Griezmann just on the edge of the box, just inside the penalty box. Lionel Messi stands up. Lionel Messi takes. Lionel Messi Misses, Keylor Navas, fantastic save with his legs, knocking it on to the crossbar and then out for a corner. Fantastic save to keep the score at 1-1. Going to the second half, fantastic chances for Barcelona, probably could have scored one of them. Chances for Dembele, Messi, Busquets, but none seemed to go past Keylor Navas, who was terrific on the night The match ends and PSG go through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, holding their own against a fantastic historic club in Barcelona, but eventually going through to the next round. A massive win for the team, a massive round for Mbappe, and a massive win for Mauricio Pochettino, the new manager. Of course, Philip Bargiel, a miraculous night for PSG as they progress into the quarterfinals. What's your reaction to it as a fan?
2: Well, first, happy birthday to Thomas. Uh, And I'm looking forward to uh, hearing about this uh, this uh, this gift Um, (laughs) um, The thing is yeah, we are Basically between uh, we're not just going to be relieved about this because uh, that wouldn't be uh, very French of us We were also going to be extremely extremely pissed off very very uh, critical of uh, pretty much everyone except of course Kéron Havas, who uh, is uh, fast becoming, uh, yeah, uh, there is a debate uh, going in the round in uh, PSG, French uh, PSG podcasts, plural, uh, in in French, about uh, whether he is a better goalkeeper than Bernard, than Bernard Lama. And uh, yes, there may be uh, some, at some point you will hear that uh, Kéron Havas is the best, uh, even though his career at PSG is not over. And uh, I really hope he stays for as long as he likes, um, Kolarov is probably Peja's uh, number one, uh, uh, top uh, best, sorry, best pe- best keeper um, in uh, in Peuge history. And he, I mean, from from what we saw yesterday, he deserves it. And uh, the rest of uh, the rest of the team, it was it was quite it was it was quite terrible. I mean, there's, there's really not much uh, positive to take to take out. Marquinhos tried to uh, to hold. Uh, to hold the, the fort, Kimpembe as well, uh, Florenzi was not, was not fit, Kozawa was, uh, was, was Kozawa. Uh, I mean, his defending was, was very, very bad, but um, the, uh, um, so Barcelona played a 3-4-3, so with windbacks, you had Dest on the right, and, uh, and Jordi Alba on the left, but uh, the fullbacks, who were, I mean, Florenzi not much fit, and Kozawa not being very good, they weren't helped, Basically, by, um, by Draxler on the right and, and especially Mbappé on the left. I mean, I'm extremely surprised how, uh, how easy Mbappé gets, uh, uh, gets away with, uh, with any kind of criticism today. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the, the French press or, or Twitter accounts uh, that uh, I, um, I, uh, I read quite often. But uh, it's all been about uh, Draxler being rubbish and Mbappé trying very, very hard. But Mbappe was walking yesterday. He was, I mean, he was literally walking in the first half. So you're, you're playing a four-five-one. You're playing on the wing, and you're walking. And this is why people are very, very critical of him when he's not scoring hat-tricks at the Nou Camp, which happens. Um, it just, I mean, he he was he was doing a less tracking back than 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 bloody Icardi, which is really saying something. It's, <laughs> it, I mean, it was it was. Uh, it was it was scandalous. I mean, it was preposterous. From in and, and nobody said anything, of course, because he is Mbappe. So yeah, I mean, it was very very bad to start with. Um, thankfully, Barcelona did not play very well at all. The formation was very good by Kuman, but Dembele, yeah, very yeah, it's very worrying to, to to see a guy with such uh, such ability miss all those uh, all those chances. Uh, very very lucky uh, that. Um, Navas um, saved that messy penalty because at two one there, at half time it would have been very, very 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 bad. the substitutions there's something to say about the substitutions oh yeah last thing about the starting level uh, Virati and Paredes had a terrible, had turbo games but they didn't want to uh, to, uh, uh, to get that booking to get uh, to get suspended for the quarterfinal first leg which of course eventually Paredes did get so he will be suspended for the quarterfinal first leg and Verati will not. And I think we we could have, see, could have seen uh, could have witnessed a much different game had both of them not been under the uh, menace or the sweat of uh, of a booking, which would which would make them suspended. Um, going on the substitution, I thought Portuguese did uh, quite well. Gay uh, yeah was a bit out of sorts. Uh, I think Dani Peur made some uh, very important interceptions. Very good. Di Maria of, uh, as well. Um, we leave to beat to learned and uh, he he was uh, yeah he was instrumental in keeping the ball at times it was not bad but again why what what's the deal with Rafinha why do you put him on just with five minutes to go I mean I would have I would have replaced Virati after an hour um, and that's that's a match fit Virati because let's let's uh, remind uh, our, our dear listeners that uh, uh, Virati's game at the new Camp well he wasn't match fit. And he played. I mean, he he was absolutely amazing in that. But uh, yesterday was uh, he was not. So why not why not sub him uh, earlier on? It just yeah. yeah. But all in all, you know, Pochettino did what he had to do. He did the changes. But again, why wait uh, um, in uh, for the second half to make those substitutions? So you know, there's there's so much to say and there's so much to to so so, so typical of a peer um to uh to play wonderfully in the first half and have an absolute shock in, uh, in the first leg sorry and have an absolute shock in the second but we're through.
1: i think also Just you through. mentioned the the subs also diallo was, i was really impressed with
2: yeah as soon sorry. as he came
1: on he him. basically locked down that left hand uh, side
2: I, I forgot him uh, Dest, uh i think he didn't win a single single duel against Diallo. yeah <laughs> Yeah. He was no, he was very good, especially mm-hmm. for someone who who doesn't play that often. I, I think he last he start, last started a game for us uh, three months ago or something like that. I mean, a very very long time ago. And uh, no, he uh, he really put a uh, death in his back pocket, and uh, that was uh, you know that, that was a uh, um, uh, improvement from the first half certainly. Mm-hmm.
0: Thomas, you did get to see <clears throat> a lot of this match through the birthday cake, through the cards, through the presents, <laughs> of course. Do you echo the, the idea from Philip that maybe PSG at times were a bit lucky if Barcelona had maybe been a bit more cutthroat? Yeah. It could have been a very different game. We may have had another <laughs> remontada version two on our hands.
1: Yeah, well, I, I tuned in a little later, but of what I was um, seeing and hearing from people, Barca just dominated... Um, and should have should have been at least one nil up in the first. I think probably first half of the first half. Um, and then when I saw the highlights, they just missed. I mean, it was, some of them were very good saves from from Navas, but they had a lot of opportunities. I even remember one in the, the second half where I don't know how it didn't go in. Um, I think somebody got a block or something like that. But the, I think
2: it was Marquinhos, yeah. Yeah,
1: I think it was Marquinhos, yeah. I I, I meant to check the stats, but I don't know how many touches Barcelona had in the PSG box, but it must have been a ridiculous amount.
0: Well, I'm glad you said that because I've got the stats right here. Touches in the opposition penalty (laughs) box. Fantastic stuff, by the way, Uh, 35 touches for Barcelona compared to just seven for PSG. Kind of says how much Barcelona did dominate that game. If you look at some other stats as well, possession, 73% possession for Barcelona. Um, I believe this was the first half or or, or full match, but basically they were were very dominant. They were very, very dominant. Passes completed in the last 30 metres, 125 compared to just 10 for PSG. Um, Like I said, I think this is just the first half stats. I'll need to check that. Uh, But a lot of dominance from Barcelona. They just didn't really have that cutthroat. Idea, Thomas, which kind, of, which kind of lacked, and it's a shame to look at a player like Usman Dembele, who obviously has played in France. We've seen a lot of his career, but I, I understand from from reading get Spanish football news, lovely segue there by the way, uh, and other people on Twitter that he has had a bit of a more successful season this year, but he just isn't a, an extremely natural finisher, is he? Despite all the quality and all the ability that he does have, Thomas.
1: Yeah, that's that's right. Really, it's difficult with the issues he's had with injuries. But like you said, he, there was I think it was at least two quite um, quite big chances that he had in the I think it was in the first half, um, where he just just didn't really get a good finish on it um, or very good connection. It was it was uh, it was a shame. Really. But in the in that second half, I mean, Barca still did dominate possession, but they hardly really had many. They, they didn't dominate um in terms of in terms of creating lots of opportunities that they did in the first half. At least what, what I saw of it.
0: Yeah, I know. The the PSG came out a bit more forceful in the second half. They did kind of lock it down. Like you said, there were some subs made which kind of yeah. held it down a little bit, but I mean it's what we're saying. PSG But I think we're all a little bit lucky. Barcelona are a team that are going through the motions at the moment, but I think Was if there, you uh... go through a team that had a bit more of a just someone else up front beside Messi, I think it's a completely different game. They dominated in terms of, of XG and if you look at some of the chances they had, even Messi scored, uh, missed a, a chance in the first half, a nice cross played from Dembele, he just didn't get on the end of it and if you feel if there's a, uh, I, I don't know, a, a, a Mbappe, let's say, in the end of that or Ronaldo or a, or a, even Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I feel that does go in. I'd also like to, I don't know, maybe the French audience won't like this, but I'd like to put some criticism on Antoine Griezmann as well. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't see this quality player that we've, that we've seen in other years. I feel like every time, especially in the second half when the ball went to him, it was just getting lost and nothing really cut through what was getting made. I thought his passing range was not incredible. He had, he had a good chance on the edge of the box. The ball was rolled out to him, I believe, by Dest. And he absolutely skies it. I don't think he had an impressive night at all. I thought he was really just looked just looked almost a wee bit out of his depth. And obviously Griezmann's a top, top player. We've seen it a lot for Atletico Madrid, for Barcelona and Spitz and Spats, and obviously for France as well. But I just don't think he was a the level that we've seen him operate at other times. Philip, I don't know what there was, that. There was
2: a point, yeah, I mean, of course, I agree. And there was a point at the match I, I didn't, I mean, I almost forgot that he was on the pitch. I mean, he just <laughs> didn't do loads of things. I mean, there, there, there was some uh, some nice passing in the first half. But uh, saying this, I think if you swapped the world, the world between Dembele and Griezmann, and Griezmann would have had the chances Dembele would have had, Griezmann, I think, would have put those away easily. Uh, just just goes to show you. I don't think Griezmann is being played in, in the right uh, in the right position, and uh, that uh, he's just yeah he's just not he's uh, just not uh, comfortable with uh, where where he is being played, and he's just, he just not, he, he's just not he's uh, just not given shall we say given the the the, the limelight in this in this three four three or three four one two. Just yeah there, there was there were no real chance for him to uh, to shine and. Uh, even, even, even in spite of Barcelona playing a, a great, great first half. I mean, uh, I don't think any of those players, except for the uh, for the defender who got subbed uh, uh, in the first half. I, I forgot his name. Mingueza. Uh, sorry. Mingueza. Mingueza. Thank you. Um, they, they, they all played uh, a great part, but you, you just thought, hang on, hold on a minute. Griezmann should be should, should be one of those guys who would who would shine in this type of game. And he didn't, and that's a bit worrying. For if, if you're you know if you if you if you like Antoine, Antoine Griezmann, you want him to do well, and you want him to do well at club level, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it, did, it didn't happen. It is a bit worrying. I mean, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned with, with Dembele because his uh, his uh, his injury, record implies that he's probably not going to be at the Euros this summer. But for Griezmann, I mean, he, I mean, no pressure, but uh, our whole uh, the whole country uh, relies on him. So it would be it would be it would be good if he he had he had good um, uh, sensation, shall we say? Yeah, good form at club mm-hmm. level. Uh, saying this, you know, Giroud has not is not uh, is is used to playing on the bench, and uh, and when he plays for France, he, he's usually very very good. But <laughs> yeah. since uh, since so, since uh, for, for the last couple of months, he, he's been playing he's been playing more and scoring scoring goals. So you know, yeah. it's yeah, I, I think it's a Barcelona thing as well. I, I just don't I just uh, I didn't see. I didn't see how this this could have been a good move uh, at the time, and I still and I don't think anyone sees how this is a good move uh, currently. And it's you know it's a shame because he, I mean, such a wonderful player had such a such a great spell at Atletico Madrid. So it's a shame. It's I mean I, I could say also the, I could almost say the, uh, the same. It's not he's not French. but about De Jong. I think De Jong, uh, when he signed, I was expecting something a lot more spectacular for him and look, look at him now he's uh, he's playing as a, as a as a backup uh backup center back in a, in a three-man three-man defense it's a bit it's like really i mean do, don't barcelona have any a, anyone better to 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 play there and the answer is probably no because uh because umtiti is completely unfit and and uh, pique, uh, so pique is uh, often injured he's getting on a bit so you know, there's a there's there's a lot of work to do at, at Barcelona. I do I do wish there's a future is is with Griezmann, uh, and if it isn't, then he should uh, sign for PSG. That's my <laughs> conclusion.
0: Standard standard. Um, let's talk about one of the main events of the game, which came in the first half, about 29, 30 minutes into the match, Jordi Alba has the ball on the left hand side. Um, uh, oh, no, no. Uh, Leiden Kurzava, sorry, has the ball on the left-hand side. Ball gets crossed into the box. And Mauro Riccardi, who's actually quite far away from the ball, the ball which actually did end up in the hands of Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, gets his heel just just clipped, just clipped a little bit by Clement Longley in the box. Icardi goes down, there's a VAR check, and the is awarded. Kylian Mbappe scores it and it goes 1-0 to PSG. Philip, you may be a little bit, you may, I don't know if you'll be a little bit biased on this one. Did you think it was a penalty, in, in your opinion? I mean, he, there's contact made, he pretty much took his boot off.
2: Yeah, I think it was, yeah. I think, I mean, yeah. uh, it, it was, um, it was uh, uh, unlucky from Longley. But, uh, and I think, I, I really don't think he did on purpose, but uh, he, did, he did clip uh, Icardi's heel. And uh, these days in football, uh, in, uh, sorry, in VAR, uh, you, uh, well, you, uh, you can't touch a player, otherwise he's going to go down and there's going to be a penalty. So, under the normal circumstances, uh, you know, would say, uh, come on, that's not a penalty, it's just an honest mistake, let's move on. But uh, under VAR, yes, it is a penalty. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but uh, yeah. you know, if you play by those, the ridiculous rules we're playing by these days, then yeah, it is a penalty. It was and kind of similar rules. in
1: terms of in terms of heel clipping and the, uh, which one was it? Because that the, Kaz- the one that Kazawa gave away in the first leg.
2: Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, yeah, that, that was it's, it's... yeah, that was soft. I mean, well, yeah. uh, um, again, a very extremely uh, uh, keeping a. A completely objective line here, but uh, I, I thought was the one Barca had was it was actually quite
0: soft. But that's um, me. So the, the goal was scored. Terstegan couldn't save it, the, the, the uh, Barcelona keeper. But the man between the other sticks, Keylor Navas, you, you mentioned him a little bit uh, earlier, Philip. But he had a fantastic match in this one. And you were you were saying uh, there's been debate going on. On how he ranks in terms of PSG keepers, PSG keepers since uh, the the new owners came in a few years ago. Where do you think Where do you think this man ranks? He's had a lot of big games where he's really shown his worth, hasn't he?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not like uh, there have been uh, terrible goalkeepers uh, in uh, in the past, and uh, I'm one of the rare, very very rare PSG fans who would say who who will uh try and convince a lot of people that kevin Trapp is actually a very capable goalkeeper uh, it's just that he made a, a lot of uh, a lot of mistakes and uh, just um yeah just didn't uh didn't go quite well for him i mean he he will always be remembered he will be smashed uh smacked on um and criticized uh, for being that goalkeeper who was between the sticks um at the uh, at the Womantada in, in, uh, four years ago in 2017 at the new camp, um, I liked um, I liked Salvatore Sirigu. I thought he was uh, he was uh, uh, quite uh, quite spectacular and uh, quite reliable actually. But again, there's been a few mistakes. Lolo as well. Uh, we've had some uh, some some absolute shockers though Dominique Casagrande, Apula, Edel, they were you know no not good uh you know, you know there, there was also a time i mean that you can't really um shall we say uh compare uh, between a PSG goalkeeper a pre pre qsi and a PSG goalkeeper after to, uh, 2011 where of course afterwards we uh we entered this new dimension of uh, paying uh pay, paying players a lot of money so uh, basically we could buy whoever whoever we want until until the uh, financial fair play came came into came into play, so yeah, it's uh, to to me to me. There's very little doubt that he is a uh, uh, the best uh, the best goalkeeper we've uh, we've ever had, and uh, it's uh, the more shall we say uh, ancient or experienced pundits who who, who will say uh, yeah, there may be a case for Bernard Lama, but I wasn't so uh, there wasn't around to see him where, um, week in week in week out. <laughs>
0: Uh, Thomas Wiseman though, Kyler Navas, surely he he pales in comparison towards on uh, Legend Alexandra Letellier taking, taking taking the bet to Paris these days. You're gonna mention him. Incredible night last night though for him, wasn't
1: it? Well, tell you, he had a great time on the Now um <laughs>
0: yeah, but it, it was uh, it
1: was brilliant from Navas, and he's he's done that a lot this season, even though you know PSG have. Have not been as rampant in the league. Um, there's been I can't remember what game it was now. Can't remember what game it was, but it, it, he's he's had a few occasions where he's, he's actually pulled out really good saves that have saved PSG from from some embarrassment and um, and he he helped them you know get get over the line in this game. So uh, it's yeah, it's nice to have a. It, I mean, he's not fantastic with his with his feet, but in terms of shot stopping, he's he's a very good, very good keeper.
0: And and Thomas obviously. If any team takes a 4-1 lead from the first leg, you expect them to to get through it. Even if they lose 1-0 or 2-0, God forbid, you'd imagine that they would get through it. And that is what PSG did here. But they didn't throw it away, you know, a, a bit more. It shows a bit more of their European resilience, doesn't it? A bit more of their... Their strength of mind to kind of keep their cool. How, how do you think PSG handled this occasion? It, specifically with Pochettino, he was he was he was quite cool and collected with the whole situation. Didn't seem to get too carried away with the whole match. Obviously, you've got Remontada uh, ringing in their ears for the entire match, but they seemed to handle it rather well, even though they were getting dominated for a lot of the game.
1: Yeah, I think that, I think it's probably since the the final last year maybe that has been a bit of a shift in there at least what I can see, their attitude and, and the confidence they have, um, but yeah, I mean like you said, it's it's been, um, they've they just seen much more, I mean, I mean to be fair in this game they did look sh- shaky, but if you look at the second half, they sort of shut down Barcelona, um, especially with the substitution, so it's... It's much uh, a different um, PSG than we've been used to in the past past few years. Maybe a bit shaky sometimes and whatnot, but um, no, it's good.
0: Thomas, do they look like a team capable of winning mm. the competition?
1: Mm. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: they, they look like a team capable of winning the competition, sure. <laughs> do you think they'll do it, though? <laughs> That's a different conversation, isn't it? <laughs> well, I
1: can't hear you. What's
2: that? <laughs>
0: Philip, how about you?
2: Uh, well, uh, question uh, the what, one of the sides that is very worrying, as uh, that really, uh, really worries me, uh, is Manchester City. So the question is: Are Manchester City, Manchester City, up for it, for once, for once? Because I'm not sure I would um, welcome uh, the prospect of uh, Guardiola and Manchester City at the Parc des Princes playing that, uh, playing against. Uh, that type, of, the type of performance that we uh, highlighted last night, um, I would be extremely worried because you know, Gebre, um, probably not Gabriel uh, Jesus, but someone like Philip Foden. I mean, he would have a, he would have had a field day uh, last night, and uh, I think it depends if uh, Manchester City are in the mood. But to me, uh, Dortmund, I think we can handle no problem. Bayern would be tough, but their defense is not very good either. And they're really uh, well. They're they're quite. Uh, they've got quite injury uh, a lot of injury troubles, just like us. Liverpool, same thing. At the back, it's not uh, it's not so great. And they they've actually uh, stopped losing uh, stopped losing at home. Then you have Real Madrid. I don't think uh, yeah. It's not it's not very scary either. So yeah, out of all of those, I'd say yeah, I'd say Manchester City is the uh, is the one that uh, could uh, seriously uh, frighten us. But uh, maybe 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 we'll uh, maybe we'll uh, will uh, get uh, get knocked out by someone completely unexpected. <laughs> but to me, it would be Manchester City. And again, the question is, are they up for it for once? Mm.
0: I mean, PSG did show their quality last year getting to the final. It's, all, it's always that question if they go just that one step further, really, and, and take it that next step. You know, a sign of an elite club. Obviously, they've shown their shown their stripes to get to the final last year, but if they could do that two years in a row, even, even if they didn't win it, obviously they want to win it, but if they could get to final semi final just shows a lot of quality obviously PSG with the finance they they run under with the players they've got you'd imagine Neymar will be back for the next round obviously he was out of this one injured um you know it's, it's an even stronger team then and and they'll be planning to to win it to win it to go to go all the way Angel D. Maria just signed up to a new contract, just strengthens the squad even more, and that will be the long-term plan for PSG. Just before we finish off this conversation, Thomas Wiseman, obviously there is a lot of speculation around Lionel Messi's career, what's going to happen with him, where's he going to go, is he going to come to Paris, is he going to go to Manchester, is he going to go and live it up in America, or Japan, or I don't know, bloody... Ethiopia, I don't know. No no one knows where he's going to go, where his career is going to take him. There's been a lot of speculation, but it's still up in the air at the moment. If this is his last Champions League game, if he does go to the US, for instance, or or, or someone someone else, somewhere else. It was fitting to see one of if maybe his last Champions League game with a fantastic goal into the top corner and an all-round oh, yeah. incredible performance. But it, i got to say, I didn't expect myself to be, but I was quite sad when the full-time whistle went and it zooms in on Messi and you, you see him with his head down and another disappointing result for Barcelona. I think it's like the fifth year in a row that they've kind of underperformed, not got to a, a semi-final. I might not be 100% correct on that, it's but not, it was just a bit yeah. sad to
1: see. It's not the first time they've been knocked out of this stage for... Thirteen years, maybe something like 13, 14
0: years. I think it was. Mm. Just quite sad, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, it was a phenomenal goal. It was such a weird, especially the first half, such a weird um, game to watch because the tempo was just crazy from Barcelona, I and mean, there was no, there was nobody in the stands. There was no noise. It was really strange. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it really. It was a, it was a weird, weird game to watch. Yeah.
0: Mm. I loved it though because Messi obviously had set up a couple of chances for other teammates in the first like half of the game. They hadn't exactly been finished. He missed himself, won himself, of course. But then 37 minutes in, he was just like, All hey, right, give me the ball back. forty yeah. yards out, bang, have that top corner. Let's go. One-one. Keep get the ball. <laughs> like, let's go." <laughs> it just kind of sums up
1: the quality of player that he is, doesn't it? Yeah, and well, Navas we... was just completely—he <laughs> was like caught off guard by it. I know. I don't think well, anyone we're not La, Liga, La Liga
2: expert, but uh, is this uh, Lionel Messi's best goal in the Champions League? I think it might be.
0: I'm trying to think. I'm, tra- I'm cycling through my d- d- head right now. I in think terms most, of, like, most, of the most of the goals, days, I of the goals, of the are, goals are pretty I,
2: I, I remember is, uh, him taking the ball or Javi or Iniesta p- playing a, a wonderful pass and uh, him taking the ball, dribbling all the defenders, dribbling the goalkeeper and putting the ball in the empty net. That to me is Messi in the Champions League. But that type of goal, um, so sudden and uh, so well placed against against that type of goalkeeper. I don't think I've yeah, I don't remember Messi scoring as good a goal as good as goal in the Champions League for the past few years, if ever. But again we I'm no expert.
0: I seem to remember him having a having a pretty good goal. And I think it was the 2012 Champions League final against United at Wembley when United had the white strips on. I seem to remember that goal being. Ambriz header. It's sick. Header was good. He's, he's had a he's had a lot of good ones, doesn't he? Yeah. I just hope he stays in European football. I just hope he stays in European football and we keep seeing him, uh, weekend week out. I hope I hope we still see him. I hope he's got a couple more Champions League years. Hopefully. In his locker, obviously he's not too old, but you know you just, you just don't know what happens, what's going to happen with his career if he does leave Europe. Um, yeah, but but we hope we do see a lot more from him in the next few years, last few years of his career. Uh, all right, let's move on to the other midweek match. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of the 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 the, the TV broadcasters were arguing with the Marseille rennes game. You know what were they going to play? Then Marseille rennes luckily. Uh, fell out and they were put to the earlier time slot uh, in place of the PSU-Barcelona match. Uh, but this one, Marcy versus Rennes, the battle of the two new managers, debut for Jorge Sampaoli and, and also Bruno Ginesio for Rennes. This one finishing 1-0, to Marseille. A terrific win for Marseille that actually carries them up to sixth while Rennes sit down in tenth. The game kind of huffed and puffed, not too many clear cut opportunities, bar a couple of nice little spells for Marseille at the big end of the. First half and beginning of the second half, uh, but then Michael Cuisance, the the, the loney from Germany, uh, scored a fantastic header. And I think the 88th minute following across from Luis Henrique, we'll talk more about those two players in just a moment. But Philip, you, you weren't on last week when we just announced... The signing of Bruno Genesio as the Rennes manager, but we've also got Jorge Sampaoli who's joined now officially at Marseille. Who, who should we talk about first? Let's, let's talk about Sampaoli because he got the win here. Philip, what excites you about Sampaoli coming over to Marseille? Do you think he's got a good basis to work with? I think he's a good coach for the the, the the period that Marcy find themselves in at the moment, could he kind of take them back up to some sort of stability after a few years of inconsistency, Philip?
2: Um, no, not at all. I don't think he's got he's got uh, um, a lot of uh, freedom to uh, to do what he wants. I don't think he's going to have a lot of money to spend in the summer, and uh, I think uh, basically it's uh, it's a nice uh, it's a nice job on in Europe for. For him, nice to have on the resume. I I really don't think he'll uh, he'll stay uh, a very long time. Uh, I had uh, uh, um, quite a few uh, Marseille fans uh, asking me what, what I thought about this, uh, but that was before uh, Jacques-Henri Raud's departure. So it was very different, and my answer was uh, nothing. I mean, it doesn't matter who the manager is, as long as Jacques-Henri Raud is is... Um, uh, within the club, in the organisational chart, nothing, I mean, nothing can, uh, nothing can change. It's, uh, it's just not possible. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a catastrophic situation. Now Jacareo has left, um, and we just need to see if McCourt is going to open his checkbook. It's as simple as that. Marseille have a, have a, a watertight squad. I think they're sixth now after that win against Rennes um and uh, that's a that's actually not a bad uh, ranking for a side that had so so much trouble on an officer pitch uh, we uh i don't think anyone mentioned their fantastic performance uh, against uh, division four side and their uh, coupe de france elimination on sunday <laughs> evening and it's you know i was talking about it with people and it's not even funny anymore i mean when when Marseille are good and they're, they're ambitious and they're trying to do uh, trying to do uh, something uh, positive in in a season and then you see them getting knocked out by uh, by Carcafou or Kevin De you know it's, it's good fun but now it's just they're they're rubbish on the pitch and and things are going extremely badly off off the pitch and McCourt uh, just has to say okay if you don't want to invest any money you sell the club. Uh, and in and otherwise you just invest in a squad to get the Champions League because the last thing Marseille need uh, at this moment in time is European football. They they need a clear. Uh, Sampoli needs a, a clean uh, a clean plate. Uh, no European football. Just focus on Liga and Coupe de France. Try not to get knocked out by Kenny Roussillon this time and. Try, try and do try and do something good, just like just like you are doing. I mean, you are, ha- are having a fine season. There, there are a few, you know, hiccups, but they're doing a fine season without European football, and they're still a for the uh, for the title. And I think I think Marseille would benefit a lot from not having a, a European this uh, those European games in, in midweek. So that's what's, uh, I think that's what Sampol needs to aim for. But again, what's going to happen? Uh, in in the summer who's going to stay are they going uh, are they going to be able to keep uh, people like uh, people like Cuisance uh, what's going to happen with uh, with Dimitri Payet the squad is not bad you know but you know it needs to be it, it needs to be worked worked out uh, hmm. continually and you just don't think it's it's a case uh, right now
0: yeah I mean I've been a one, one of the bigger critics on here about Marseille and Marseille's squad and Marseille's setup, But Thomas Wiseman, Jorge Sampaoli has come into the job, you know, hopefully he'll be calming everything down. If you look strictly at things on the pitch, it may be a bit of an older squad, but they've got a world cup winner in Steph Mandanda. They've got the player that was almost going to be uh, Liverpool's next big centre-back and do you char. They've got a young centre-half in Ballardi, They've got a fantastic centre-half in Alvaro Gonzalez. Uh, and the man that he called the best player in Ligue 1, Kamara Camara at CDM, Eric Devins, favourite player Paul Larola at uh, right back, right wing back, Dimitri Payet at front, Arduis Millich up front, Florian Tovan, a guy who's been uh, had a lot of suitors throughout his career. You know, there's there's an okay setup there in terms of like strictly the the footballing side of it, Thomas. You know, uh, something that I can maybe liken over to the situation. With Bordeaux, I mean that club is still all over the place, but the players and the manager, for the most part, this season have been have been managing to keep it relatively solid at times. Do you think mm-hmm. Sampali could get something out of this squad, get something good out of this team towards now in the end of the season? Yeah, I mean it's not it's not. A, I think the issue I have with this squad
1: is is parts of it are quite um quite limited in, in terms of squad depth. I mean, I think Nagatomo is their only. Left back, maybe. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. He, he might have been their own left back. Um, but in terms of like the the, the base starting eleven, it's, it's it's a pretty good team. Yeah, it's it's um they they should be you know competing up there. Maybe not to. Hmm, I'm not sure if it's better than. Them. No, it's not. Okay, <laughs> this should be closer to the the top four than they are at the moment. Um, but and yeah, like in terms of a of a squad in in general, it's, it's um. It's a pretty good
0: one, so it'd be interesting to see what what
1: Sampali can do with that. Mm.
0: Philip, does who who excites you more than Ginesio or Sampaoli out of the two new managers that have recently come to Liga? Oh uh,
2: yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, Sampaoli, of course. Uh, no no offense to uh, no offense to <laughs> Ginesio. Uh, well, we didn't actually. I don't know if you actually talked about um, about uh, uh, Julien Stefans uh, uh, not uh, sacking because he quit. Actually, he didn't. Uh, he didn't wait to. He didn't wait to be sacked. I was actually quite disappointed because he did. Uh, he did make history with uh, with Rennes. Um, but no, S- Sampaolesi. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's a, certainly a dressing room character, and uh, I think he fits. He uh, fits a bill for, for Marseille. I think it's. A, I think it's a good fix. But again, you need structure. You need. Uh, you need uh, money, and you need players. Is he going to get those? Whereas you know, Ginesu, I think, uh, yeah, I think they're quite uh, quite well organised. Uh, Florian Maurice is uh, is a um, is a good uh, is a good director uh, director of football. I'm not sure if that's as well. I'm I'm not quite sure. But uh, he did a, a very good job at uh, at Lyon. He uh, he went to pick up uh, Tongi and Dombille, who's doing wonders now at, at Spurs. No, I think there's there's a structure there, but uh, yeah. Uh, St. Paulo is uh, is just more exciting than that's, uh, that's It's as simple as that.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, and let's move on to our only preview of this episode for this weekend's football in Ligue 1. It's, it's talking about a team that hasn't got a lot of love from us the last few weeks. I wanted to give them a little bit of a nudge because they have hit a nice little run of form recently despite actually two draws in the last few games but before that they're on a nice little run of wins scoring some goals and that's Montpellier. Uh, this weekend they are traveling away to Nîmes who's sit in 18th place. Montpellier currently in 8th and like I said they have been on a solid run scoring some goals keeping it relatively tight. I mean they beat title challengers Lyon just a few weeks ago and are currently only four points off of a European place, with Lon currently occupying that fifth-place spot on 44 points. And Thomas Wiseman, Steffi Mavadidi, an Englishman up front with three goals in his last few games. It's, a, it's an interesting stories and interest in route, how he's turned up at Montpellier, started at Arsenal, didn't really ever get a bit of a, of a look in, went over to Juventus in Italy, obviously the, the champions of Italy, um, loaned out by Juventus to Dijon last season, played quite well there, scored a few goals. Dijon, I believe, wanted to keep him, but he said, no, he was like, uh, I don't want to do this, I want to aim a little bit higher. I can understand that was a good decision now that Dijon are, are propping up the table. Goes over to Montpellier, Permanently and has seven league goals this season. Their third top scorer behind the gruesome twosome of Gaetan Laborde and Andy Delore. It, it's a solid story, and he's starting to pay back the the, the faith that Montpellier put in him, uh, scoring some goals and getting Montpellier up the tables. It's it's a it's nice to see Thomas, mm-hmm. isn't it? A Brit on the continent.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, it's we've seen a few a, well a few. Um, to come over and, and play in France so it's hopefully he's uh he's starting the trend really um cuz obviously we know that that France is a is a brilliant league at, at developing and nurturing nurturing talent but yeah he's he's, he's done well recently especially with uh, I think Delors had a covid maybe and he's been out for a, a few weeks um but it's really good to see i mean we all know that Delors and Laborde have a quite a, a physical um uh impact on games and Mavadidi is a little bit of a different uh different flavor of a attacker but he's he's certainly working well for for Montpellier and, and uh it should be an interesting race to that to that fifth spot there's quite a, a few teams competing for it um so it'll be interesting to see if he can push them uh, push them all the way there mm,
0: starting to pick up starting to pick up some peace with that as we get into the mm. business end of the season. Uh, Stephen Mavadidi obviously following in the footsteps of Joey Barton, Thomas.
2: <laughs> of
0: course. Of, co- of course. of and course, And Joe Cole. And Joe Cole. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm trying to think who else have we had in recent years. Has anyone ever really done that well? And like stayed a couple of years? For a while. Man. Nothing. Which, Nobody. Which Chris, well, that's it's too far up. back. Come on. I'm, I'm 22. Like, English, I'm English, supposed... but I remember when Stephen Fletcher went <laughs> no, to No, even London. I don't remember Stephen. this. Though. I mean... <laughs> I'll go. I'll go ask my. I'll go ask my gran about it about Chris Waddle. <laughs> um, Stephen Fletcher was there a couple of years ago. He was at Marseille, of course. He scored a quite. he scored some goals as well, didn't? he? Yeah, I, don't it a I don't know. Was a little it's bit before I started watching? Um, some people will be asking him to get a call up back to the Scottish national team. Oh my God! Pap, get that conversation in the bin. Are you joking? Where is he? Sheffield Wednesday, warming their bench. No chance. I don't want him near. I don't want him anywhere near. Uh, the Euros this season. Um, and, and, and like I was saying at, at the start, Montpellier have been picking up a good wee bit of form. They're up to 8th and they could be in the conversation of a European place. Philip, do you think they're getting towards being the quality of a European team? You know, they've they've had some solid progress over the last few years under there, there's a 8th uh, last season, 8th this season, 6th the season before that and then 10th the season before that but there's been some good solidity they've not really dropped down and had like a 15th um, recently like some other clubs have, have had like Strasbourg have been kind of up and down Bordeaux have been up and down Saint-Étienne have been up and down Montpellier un- run under a smaller budget than Saint-Étienne but always seem to keep it quite solid Philip
2: Montpellier we'll have a good side I mean uh, this season it's been it's been quite unlucky really because since the uh, since the defeat to, to PSG early December there was this of form um, which was, uh, yeah, not uh, not especially good between uh, because I think it was almost ten games without to win they went, but uh, most of those games were wars. I mean the defeats were against good sides. It was against Lille, well it was against Marseille, but yeah Marseille played well on that uh, on that occasion. Uh, then again that uh, again another defeat against uh, against PSG. Uh, the, the only the only odd defeat you you have they they lost at home to Monaco too the only odd de- defeat you have was against Lens, and that was uh, a month ago uh, end of uh, end of January and since then it's been only only wins uh, and and draws against uh, good sides I mean well good sides uh, sides are extremely hard to beat Mets are having a great season and they picked up a point there um, uh, Reims, it's so boring to play them uh, these days. So of course it was nil-nil. And Lorient, yeah, uh, shall we say, uh, have uh, discovered that they can. We've all discovered that they can actually play uh, play football a bit, uh, a bit like Nîmes. So you know, I mean, the results haven't been haven't been bad at all because you see a three, a three, uh, a run of three games, uh, three straight wins against Dijon, Lyon, and Rennes. I mean that's that's a good run. That's a very good run of form. I mean they're a top half side. No no problem. But um, again, I'm pretty sure that uh, the board and the uh, under manager and Delacaille are very happy to finish in the top half, but uh, certainly not to certainly not play uh, a game in uh, in midweek. I think uh, I think that certainly the, what uh, what what's aiming for. Play good football. You have Delor. You have um, you have Laborde, You have TG Savanier, who's very good as well. Um, uh, Florent Mollet, I, I rate him quite, uh, quite highly too. And Mavididi completes that. So no problem. I mean, uh, I, I, really, I really would be surprised if Montpellier don't finish in the top half. But uh, <laughs> I don't think they want to finish in, in Europe. Maybe, you know, maybe Metz could take this, uh, this spot in the conference league.
0: Well, that's the thing. You've got the, the new spot this year because of the Conference League being introduced. Yep. You have to finish fifth to get that. And and there is a lot of space between fourth and fifth. There's 11 points right now between Lons and Monaco. So we you'd assume that the top four is kind of cemented in now. But between fifth and 10th, there's only 6 points, 2 wins you know what I mean, slip up here, you drop a point there and then Lons could end up finishing ninth or 8th, could really drop off, any of those teams, Marseille, Metz Montpellier or Angers, or even Rennes if they do start to pick up a bit of point a bit of form could end up there, Thomas Wiseman, of those clubs kind of between 5th and 10th, who who do you see in the end finishing 5th, do you think Lons will be able to hold on to or do you think they'll have a bit of a slip up when I just when
1: I look across the the season so far,
0: um,
1: it's it's difficult to argue that Launce haven't been the the fifth or sixth best team, um, consistently. And even though that is, they've just been promoted. They've just been they've been really really strong against a lot of a lot of teams, and and um, they've been lucky in some games. But in terms of the the strength they have and and the the tactical nous that sort of, that uh, the has displayed this, this season, um, I think it would be brilliant if they could
0: uh, get that fifth spot. Mm, terrific. And uh, Thomas, just before we get a little score prediction for this one, Neem versus Montpellier, a word on Neem currently sitting in 18th. They've been playing a bit more, a bit better football under Pascal Plonk. they sit in 25 points. Lorient are just two points ahead of them. Uh, Saint-Etienne in 16th, five points ahead of them. Neem currently occupying that playoff spot. But do you have a lot of faith in them between now and the end of the season? You know, We're starting to get into that real crunch part of, of, of the campaign. You need to start picking up points. You can't just get lucky, draw, uh, lucky draws there and maybe lose 1-0 to PSG. They've got to start really picking up some points. So, so a word on them and their situation. Well, I'm much more optimistic about it than I was a few few months ago. Um,
1: they really have started picking up some some decent wins and obviously Renault Repar is, uh, has has been there as always. Um, so I'd much rather have them stay in the league than probably not, <laughs> to be honest. But um, I... <laughs> yeah, we'll have to we'll we'll have to see. But uh, it's I mean I think they lost the last game, but um they've they've been much better than what we've previously previously seen.
0: Mm. Okay, Thomas, what's your score prediction for this one then? Montpellier in 8th, travelling away to Nîmes in 18th. Both teams looking at different parts of the table different goals at the moment. Oh, of course, Savanier Darby, his former team there, Mm -hmm. where he kind of made a name for himself. How do you see that one going to think? Savanier will get a goal in this one against his former team?
1: Yeah, probably get a penalty or something. I'm going to go for 2-1 Montpellier.
0: Okay, and Philip, how about you?
2: 4-0 Montpellier, Savanye
0: hat-trick. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> confident, confident. confident. Perfect,
2: perfect, hat-trick. Left,
0: perfect hat-trick, left peg <laughs> from uh, 30 yards out, right peg from 40 yards out, and then nice little header uh, to, to, to finish it off. Hey, you yeah. heard it here first. Um, yeah. I don't know. As much as Montpellier you have picked up form, I think Nîmes with just the things that they need to do, the things that they need to win. I'm going to actually back Nîmes for an absolutely disgusting 1-0 win. Dirty, I'm talking. I'm talking red cards, yellow cards, like really fighting for it. But Nîmes at home, these are the, these are the games they need to win. They need to start punching up Nîmes because they've not got too many games against, well, there's not too many teams below them, They're not going to be too many teams uh, below them to face off between now and the end of the season. So I'm actually going to back Nîmes for this one, 1-0 nil I do love Nîmes. I do. I do love Nîmes. So I'm. So I'm going to. I mean,
2: I'm actually. On I'm actually surprised that uh, they're still still, still in with a chance. I mean, uh, to me, uh, I thought Nîmes would have been the uh, the uh, current uh, Dijon, uh, but uh, there seem to have something seems seems to have gone right for them. And uh, good, you know, it's not like I, like I hate the football club or the south <laughs> or anything. I just I just don't think they're they good enough for for uh, but apparently, you know, they're, they're, they're getting uh, getting great results. I mean, the, the win at Marseille was was fun. That was that was good. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're fighting for it. They're really giving it their they all. Uh, so it's good. A bit like a bit like Lyon. But I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm just disappointed that uh, Dijon are, are literally a Ligue two a league two side, and uh, myself and uh, uh, Lewis and myself actually called them, uh, and we thought that they they had a decent squad. <laughs> Ouch.
0: These don't like I I delete all my recordings. Don't worry, no no one's gonna go yeah. back. Go back and find yeah. us on the internet forever. <laughs> Okay, and on that fantastic reminder that I completely forgot I'd even said, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up the podcast. If you're looking for more information on all things French football in English, you can catch us on the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com, and if you're looking for us on Twitter, we're there too at gffn. That's at gffn on Twitter. I've been Lewis McParlin. I've been joined by Thomas Wiseman and Philip Barzyel. And so PSG march on in the Champions League. They got so close last season, but can they do one better this year? That remains to be seen. Bye for now.